open. I'm your host, Leonard Olivares, and today we're bringing back a guest that's came on before. His name is William Ramsey. William Ramsey is is uh, is uh, in a uh, cult. Well, what would you call yourself, William? I, I'm close to being an expert. I think that I'm pretty. I've definitely done my share, fair share of research. Right. So I had brought William on the show to come and, and talk about the uh, occult Hollywood. So actually, I wanted to talk about you know the just the darkness that surrounds Hollywood and all the uh, iconography and all the image imagery that we see through Hollywood and and just you know the 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 role that it plays in uh, and you know in everybody's psyche. I mean, obviously, when you're watching stuff, sometimes you can be watching a ritual without even realizing that you're watching a ritual being played out. On the screen. So, uh, William, thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, let's let, let's talk about this. So, All what right. is Occult Hollywood? So, it was a I made a documentary about ten years ago, Occult Hollywood, and I just recently updated it. It's available on Vimeo, and it's really just a accumulation of information that I have, stu- you know, uh, keyed into over the last you know fifteen years, and so just watching these things that they are that the really kind of magicians literal magicians using cinema are uh, exposing and uh, kind of getting across through this medium to the public with a lot of times without their knowledge so that's the occultism and my goal was to expose kind of the hidden secrets the numerology the references in many films that are mysterious or were definitely mysterious to me by directors so I broke it down by directors Right, so let's get into the beginning of this. Uh, how how did the, the the darker arts enter into the silver screen? How did this happen? Well, that's a great question. I think that they were probably there from the very beginning, that people realized that this medium was a way or means not just to tell stories, but also impart esoteric information or concepts or Masonic concepts. So probably from the very early days of Black and White, probably even Metropolis, which was a German film that had a lot of Crowley OTO members were involved in the creation of that. It involves kind of like a slave, slave colony, uh, transhumanism. So I think from the very beginning, certain people were trying to impart uh, knowledge, either whether they were interested in the occult or whether they were occultists themselves. So I think really from the beginning of cinema 100 years ago, that was, uh, that was evident. Right, right. And we see a lot of uh, reenactments done, like in secret societies. They're big on doing all these reenactments, you know, and uh, and we see it even in like, you know, some some religious, you know, uh, people that have they do reenactments, say like the Mormons or something like that. Sure. But we see a lot of like reenactments as far as the Freemasons, what they do. Even in black magic, there's reenactments. So what, what's the importance of these reenactments? Why? Why? I mean, what power do they feel like they get out of this? Well, I think that in real life, those rituals are a means to, uh, I think, break through to the other side, at least from my knowledge of Crowley. So I think that these these are communication rituals and also uh, impart these rituals impart esoteric information, depending upon what's involved in the ritual as well. So uh, some of these are very obvious rituals, whether it's kind of Roman Polanski's Rosemary Baby or the Ninth Gate. Or Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, which you know re- you reference in the title of your uh, your podcast. So uh, I do think that Stanley Kubrick was a master occultist, and I was really shocked to find some of the uh, kind of magical or Crowleyan numerology integrated into his 
films. Now, why is there so many occultists in Hollywood? Are they trying to like put us put a spell on all of us, all those people who watch the movies? I mean, what's going on there? I think so. I think that there is also kind of an inside joke where they have their own secret knowledge. So people are putting in kind of Crowley's numerology, whether it's Oliver Stone, who a lot of people will probably be surprised to learn has an understanding of this kind of illumined numerology. Um, and so people can see these, these references and tell what's going on. But I also think a lot of this is kind of uh, definitely kind of an initiatory thing. I think Eyes Wide Shut is an initiatory type of uh, show that doesn't near, uh, people interpret it as merely an, a, an elitist film about how the elite operates in sex magical rituals. But I also think that it's about how society gets shaped by the elite, by occult principles and occult events, and uh, really t- ties into all of this Jeffrey Epstein uh, material, things like that, that I, you know, it's pretty surprising that Kubrick seemed to key into elite secret societies and depravity uh, in that film in ni- that was released in 1999. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of people that may seem say like, hey, you know, Wil- William or Lenny, that's just craziness you know i mean all that stuff's not going to have an effect on me what would you say to all the naysayers that would just poo poo everything that we're saying or that all all the you know the uh research that you put out i mean what would you say to them well i would suggest they check out my my film because i include i think that these films are really they foreshadowed and a lot of these directors knew that the events of 9-11 were going to happen which to me were a mega ritual that involved black magic but these movies of 1999 are really incredible. Uh, that includes Eyes Wide Shut that was released in 1999, The Ninth Gate by Roman Polanski. Uh, we just passed the 50-year anniversary of the occult killings of Sharon Tate and the uh, Manson family killings. That was uh, November 8th. Um, so The Ninth Gate, Eyes Wide Shut, and Fight Club, which has a sequence that resembles the events of 9-11. That was also published in 1999 and involves human sacrifice secret societies when you really unpack it it's pretty incredible what they're exposing the to the public without really saying it so the language of symbolism and events is really important so i think that the people who um do not believe that this is happening or they're not exposed these directors and writers are not exposing uh not exposing people to occult principles i think they're naive Right. So what would you say to the person that's not privy to the information that we have that sees this and, and, and is asking, well, what do you mean by a ritual? What do you mean that this is a ritual that they're, they're doing? What does that mean? Well, I think that uh, definitely some of these films, some of the occult themed films, the, uh, you know, the, the viewer is in a passive state. So they're really trying to draw in the information. And I think the power is in the hands of the director and the writer. So I think that in, in really overt ritualized films, I think that that's really being imparted to the, to the listener, whether it's, you know, Eyes Wide Shut is pretty obvious. They have a sex magical ritual with 11 uh, servitors. 11 is the number of magic, number of the New World Order. So I think, uh, I think that you had a real, I've had this, I had this uh, discussion with Seth McVeigh about what, what, what have, how, how can you look at these shows, and even if they're fictional, some of the fiction are actually trying to tell fact, you know, so you really have to have a uh, critical eye when you look at these things. I don't look at them like I'm trying to um, adapt or 
practice the occultism. I just want to know that these people are imparting these ideas to the public. Like I think Ninth Gate is really almost, you're following Johnny Depp through an initiatory phase to where he enters in through the Ninth Gate. And at the very end of that, he reenacts the marriage of uh, the Beast and Lady Babylon at the very end, like something from the Book of Revelations. It's incredible. It's something that Crowley wrote a ritual about. So uh, you are definitely being exposed to that, whether you know it or not, if you watch that stuff. Right. So is are these rituals that they're doing, that they seem, for themselves, they, they see as real, is it working on the society at large? Absolutely. I think for sure. I think that these things are, some people are watching this and saying, how can I find out more about what you know? What are the secret esoteric knowledge? So I think that, uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think that that's the intent of some of these shows, is to uh, glorify you know, if you look at Rosemary's Baby, you glorify, I mean, who, Anton LaVey was in that. It's to have sympathy for the devil. I think that's for sure. And I think that some of these are really important. Like, I talk about a guy a lot of people don't know about. His name was Donald Camel. He was the son of a writer who knew Crowley. And Donald Camel literally sat on the knee of Aleister Crowley. So he knew all of these secret doctrines. He knew about the assassins. He knew about... You know, uh, nothing is true, everything is permitted, these ideas that go back to the Hashashin. And he's imparting it to people so that I think they can learn about it. So, I um, mean, he also, he was a sympathetic, he was sympathetic to the occultists and thought of himself as a magician, magic with a K. So I think for sure they are definitely trying to initiate certain people to uh, their worldview. And I think that that's the attraction of Hollywood. That's why some people go to Hollywood, some people go to become stars. Some people go to make money, but some people go to practice their religion. I think that that uh, there there's I mean it's, Hollywood is definitely not a, pl- a place that's friendly to practicing Christians. So I think that that's kind of the secret, uh, hidden glass ceiling or occult ceiling that really exists in Hollywood is that at the very top these people are occultists. They're not Christians. Well, even in the name Hollywood, right? Isn't that wasn't isn't that I've, I've heard that that was a, a some type of wood that was used for a wand, right? Right for the druids, correct. So I think they even got the name for this place that's always been had this very strong vein of depravity and uh, you know uh, really questionable values from the very beginning, really from the last hundred years. Yeah, when I heard about that, I thought that was very interesting that Hollywood used to be a, a wand, like a, a magic wand used by the druids to be able to cast spells and it's crazy because it's like they're basically saying that we're casting a spell by our wand you know by right. by we're putting on the silver screen this is so. our spell catching to you, well, how, and you how, know, how effective is that propaganda so even the cia and some of these other ag- intel agencies are supporting certain uh, movies that are supposedly fiction but they have themes and ideas in there that support the government um, so there's a lot of this kind of uh, magician propaganda things and, that are happening in Hollywood. And people need to be aware of that for sure. And most human beings, when you go to a movie and you go to a dark room and you're watching a movie, a lot of the times your guard is down. You're just watching for entertainment. You're not like your guard isn't up for what, right. what you're actually receiving and not knowing that you know, your, your mind is, re, is just soaking in everything. 
only your mind, but your spirit is soaking in everything. So, yeah, I, I, I can see how this has had an effect. Just in, even in my own life of growing up, I was born in 77 and go, as a child of the 80s and 90s, just seeing the difference to where, where we're at today. It's c- extremely different. And I always tell my kids, like, man, the stuff that you're watching, it, it, it has gotten darker, darker, darker. And it's just, I mean, just blatantly satanic right. in, in, in your face. Yes. I mean, look at this uh, Sabrina the Witch that's on Netflix. Uh, these are all initiatory. They are bringing you into witchcraft. A witchcraft is now the number one religion among young girls here in L.A., according to the facts that I, I've heard. And uh, so I would think almost like the, pro- the progression of Hollywood um, social engineering has just gotten worse and worse. So I think they really are engineering, socially engineering the public to accept the New World Order principles through cinema, through many of the, the cinematic things people watch today. Right. So you're always writing about Aleister Crowley. So how does Aleister Crowley play into this? Well, I think that Crowley himself, as somebody who would define himself as Satan's prophet, that's why I titled my book Prophet of Evil, I think that he was always trying to shape culture as well and socially engineer people. He wanted to create his own religion. And so... I do think some of his followers are involved in this Hollywood uh, environment, in this culture creation, in this the cinematic environment. So I think Crowley's still relevant, uh, particularly if you look at the events of 9-11. If you look at the movies I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of that same kind of numerology that uh, is involved. Like I was surprised at how much Kubrick knew about this numerology. And you want to talk about ritualization or initiate, initiation, look at 2001. It's full of mysterious symbols. It promotes the idea of evolution, which I think will be totally debunked within 50 years. Now it's scientifically at the apex, but I, I think that uh, through science itself, Darwin will be, the ideas of Darwin will, will be totally discredited. It'll be considered somebody like Freud, like a kook. But uh, so you see these ideas that are going through, and then man's journey into space is almost like a kind of a transition or a, a deification of man as he goes in into the future this guy bowman or whatever so i do think that the people you know especially 2001 you're being brought into this worldview that um is not consistent with the christian worldview at all and i think that he that kubrick and arthur c Clarke, who wrote 2001 intended it that way and i do believe that that film itself predicted and knew foreshadowed that the events of 2001 were going to happen so i do think that even back then 50 years ago there was some notion that this turn of the millennium was going to be an event that reshape the entire world right so we see you know how we're going back from like the 30s and 40s and 50s and all that we see how there used to be wholesome Right. You know, television, and now that that that's non-existent, man. So, right. as as we know it now, you right. know, the father is always kind of a buffoon in these comedy shows. He's not like a strong, stable type person. The mother, and almost all the Disney girls uh, movies, the mom is not present. the The girl is truly alone, and make uh, impressions are made upon them by somebody other than the family so you see this anti-family attempt so a lot of these things that uh, are similar to cultural marxism are, are also promoted in hollywood you're right this the, you see this progression like if you look at the 50s shows totally different than today you know 
Right. Right. So, you know, obviously we see a, a, a destruction of the family. Our family's being attacked on multiple levels, man. Yes, as yes. And, you know, I always look at it like this. Our children are the ones that are being attacked. They are the target. Yes, they yes. are the target of this attack because, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. So this is something that it, it, it's like a frog in the kettle type of deal. Yes, you know, yes. it's it's slowly you, you you're see a lot of people when they hear this information, they kind of be like, well, OK, I seen this movie. How is that affecting me? Well, you know, it, 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 it's it's a it's a form of brainwashing. Yes. You got to understand that yeah. it's a form of brainwashing. If you if you consume this type of media for 30 years, for 30 yeah. years and you, you it, day in, day out. Day in. I mean, a lot of people spend most of their time watching television, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, hardly anybody goes outside anymore. A lot of people right. are in video games, and in video games, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, I've seen some of my kids play video games, and I've seen these occult symbols yeah. in there. I'm like, what? what? Have you seen, right. have you played um, uh, Fortnite? It's full of teddy bears, just like from Eyes Wide uh, Shut, which is right. a pedo symbol. There's all kinds of all-seeing eyes. There's all kinds of symbology in uh, in that game, and that's probably the number one game that these young 12, 11-year-old boys are playing. It's incredible. Right, and before that was like World of Warcraft. That was number one, too, before that. Right. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, World of Warcraft, no, but that whole movie is just like one... You know, uh, opening a portal by using by using human or using death to be able to open a portal, really? oh, and these cool. Nephilim looking type of things coming into a portal. You know, I didn't know it's that. It's crazy, yeah. Do you and, know that you was know. directed by David Bowie's son? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so David Bowie's also, I, he was very familiar with uh, the occult, and uh, I, 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 part of my book, Children of the Beast, I cover David Bowie's occultism. So it maybe it runs in the family. Right. So we see a lot of sexualization of our children through all this media, plus this uh, uh, this new occult that's that's, you know, just rampant in everything that you watch. You know, you can't watch anything. You try to watch a show that has no sexual stuff in it or no occult symbols in it. And it's like pretty much impossible, even cartoons down to little cartoons, you know, and and even down to little Peppa Pig and all, you know, little what the little kids watch. It's just full. They're starting young. They're starting to because they know that the more that they chip away, yeah. they chip away, chip away. There's a callousness that grows into a child because once they see these symbols all the time, they be, it becomes normalized. They're trying to normalize this type of lifestyle. I totally and agree. To those, They're right, initiating to those, them, yeah. Right. And right, there's like those, a recurrent under. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, well, I was going to say those that have the Holy Spirit are able to see. You know, right, I agree with that. Well, there's also a very disturbing undercurrent of pedophilia as well and uh so some of these are very there's like really disturbing uh references apparently definitely kubrick himself was probably a practicing pedophile according to the information and definitely eyes wide shut has some themes in there that would shock the conscience like that should no kid should ever watch any of that so there's a lot of a lot of strange things happening you know some of these nickelodeon sets had a lot of um, inappropriate language that no 14 year old should ever want to talk about so there's there's some very disturbing stuff that uh, Hollywood is subtly uh, promoting right and I even seen stuff like in children's stuff like I said the Peppa Pig I've heard that that Peppa, Peppa Pig was just uh, actually a drawing of, of a man oh, I didn't know that. they just put two eyes and made it a pig 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty insane, man. You know, and, and, and you know the people that I, even that when I go to work and I talk to like fathers, and I always say you got to protect your children, man, because our children are the ones that are being attacked. Our yeah. children are the ones they're trying to sexualize. You know, right. at such a young age, man, Super such a young, young age. Yeah. You know, yeah, I remember there was a cartoon called The Brats that used to come on, and uh, there were these little girls dressed like prostitutes on there. Right, and, I remember and, that. And, right, so it was kind of like a Barbie doll, but like the uh, bad Barbie doll. But they were dressed in, you know, in, in small little tight clothing. Like skirts these and were, stuff, right? Yeah, right. I remember these are, that. These, were, these are little kids playing with this, getting dolls to play with it. It has an effect on that child. You know, and us as a parents, us as parents, that we need to, to guard our children. That's our responsibility, you know, is to guard our children. You know, we can't we can't do everything. You right. know, we can't. Your, well, your children are going to grow up and make their own decisions. But while they're in your care and while you have the ability to, you should. I agree. Definitely protect is definitely one of the key components of being a parent for sure. Protecting, a, especially from uh, pernicious ideas, dangerous ideas as well. So what do you think, William? Do you, do you think they're trying to make everybody uh, soft to all the Satanism? Yes, absolutely. I think that that's it, is just break it down and break it down. None, almost nothing uh, comes coming out of Hollywood has a Christian theme in it, right? So even the X-Men itself comes out of kind of magical practices of these uh, of occultists. The guy who wrote the X-Men was involved with Peter Lavenda, writer of the Necronomicon, and they were all in the same kind of magical social circle. So in some ways, there's some subtle effects. in the, the Seal of Babylon, Crowley Seal of Babylon, with that X and the O, is the same X and the O that's in the X-Men. So I do think that they're, they're definitely trying to make changes in society, social engineering towards the occult. The occultists are doing the same thing. And I think that's part of their ultimate goal, really, is to... Uh, change change the entire culture, not just of the U.S. but of the world, into uh, this kind of new future new world order state where you know taking drugs is normal, uh, sexual over sexualization, magic. This whole worldview, I think, is really what they're pushing for. Now you, you mentioned Peter Lavenda. Uh, what's your stance on Peter Lavenda? Because I've heard him on a lot of Christian you know shows oh, stating wow. that you know he's just pretty much exposing what you know is you know writing about the inner workings of the occult what, what's your take what's your take on him about you know but he's always rubbed me the wrong way i've read a couple of his books too you know i have a couple I of his do. books i have his uh, sinister forces series so i've did that I've, I've leafed through the necronomicon so the guy who supposedly wrote the necronomicon i uh, forgot the act the the pen name but it's supposedly peter lavenda so he wrote this book based upon H.P. Lovecraft's uh, books, right? So the Necronomicon is a, a book that's in Lovecraft's fiction. And um, he's always denied it. Uh, Lavenda was on Coast to Coast, and he's clearly, obviously, trying to uh, shield his voice through some type of processor. And there's actually some paperwork, I haven't verified it, that has him as the writer of the Necronomicon. So it takes one to know one. A lot of these guys, uh, Michael Cesarion, um, some of these other guys, the reason that they know about the cult and can t talk about the occult is that they are occultists. And there's actually a video I can send you of an OTO ritual, and one of the participants is Peter Lavenda. So, right. And I, it gets even worse because 
when I wrote Prophet of Evil, you know, I was an independent writer. And after that came out, you know, it, it, I was just, had no idea. I was printing out my first books. But uh, there was a book that came after that, and it was published by, uh, it was published by Trine Day, who is supposedly like a, a truth-telling right. publication. Right. This takes a long time. The author was S.K. Bain, who literally worked for somebody who was on the project for the New American Century, right? The notorious project of the New American Century that they were looking for the next Pearl Harbor, and it was also ghostwritten by Peter Lavenda. And if you put the two books together, their book came out after mine, uh, their summation is just a whole line of uh, fantastical nonsense that nothing really ever came true. They came up with these ridiculous theories that did not stand the test of time. Like they were trying to numerologically predict things. And I think they said there was going to be a nuclear bomb that uh, went off in Arizona or something like that. Total fantasy, total fear-mongering. And uh, my finish of my book is really, if you read that, I would suggest you do, you do it because it's a lot different than theirs. And I really still think my book stands up to the test of time because I showed that... Uh, yeah, George Bush Sr., who's dead, was clearly knew this kind of occult numerology, which was not in their book. So I do believe that it was kind of like a psyop and an intel op to uh, kind of take an independent publisher like myself who really wanted to tell the truth and kind of spin it their way with a lot of uh, things. So I think Lavenda was involved in that. I've been in contact with him. I have, my, I have his emails and stuff like that. So for me, Lavenda is probably a practicing occultist. And there's actually audio of him um, doing gematria, like actually taking words and breaking them down into their numerical components and adding them together, something that is a magical practice that Crowley did. So. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, because I've heard him on a lot of like Christian, you know, people, Christian people uh, interviewing him. And I I just always I don't know. He just always rubbed me the wrong well, way. I've, I've, you know, and I've, I've got some of his books and some of his books are interesting, you know, but at the same time, you know, most people that are occultists, obviously they're liars, you know. So lying is like one of the biggest things of what they do, you know. Uh, so just you, you just you, deception, man. So you have to be very careful. You have to walk and, and have eyes to see. And if you read the Sinister Forces, there's all kinds of insider stuff and the sides and laughing jokes and stuff like that that insiders would know. It's like a classic occultist, you know, thing, like inside jokes that only occultists would know. So, you know, you got to really look at Lavenda with some circumspection. Now we look at Hollywood how they portrayed witches and and you know wizards and warlocks and all that and it's always this like this weird looking fantasy thing. So when you think of people actually being witches, actually being warlocks, actually uh, you know uh, casting spells, it, it Hollywood has painted a different picture than what it really looks like, right? Well, I would say so. I mean, if you look at one of the most popular movies, a series of all time, Harry Potter, they are casting spells. And so I was told by somebody that those spells are legit spells. So uh, you want to talk about initiating an entire generation into witchcraft. Harry Potter is probably one of the biggest. And uh, J.K. Rowling knew a lot. I'm surprised at how knowledgeable she was to be able to distill stuff down to Harry Potter, which, you know, his wand is 11 inches long, the number of magic. His name is 11 letters long. Potter references uh, alchemy. The alchemist takes the clay and molds it into gold. 
I mean, it's incredible. So you talk about these people. So they're reading this. They may not know anything about the occult or witchcraft, but once if they ever pick up a book of alchemy or witchcraft, they go, oh, this is just like Harry Potter. This is the exact same themes and knowledge and all this stuff about um, herbs and things like that. Oh, this is right out. It's the same because it's, it is the same, really. Now let me ask you, is there any such thing called white magic and black magic? Does that really exist or is it the same spirit? It's the same spirit. I don't think that there's anything biblical that allows for people to practice any type of magical practice. It's all biblical. And God of the Old Testament is the same as the New Testament in that those practices are forbidden. In the Old Testament, you get put to death if you practice magic. Um, so uh, I do not promote those at all. And I do think that a lot of these people who are literally practicing black magic, if you look at read my book, about Damien Eccles, who, Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception, he said, his girlfriend said that he will tell people he's a white magic practitioner when he's a black magician. So I do think people use that as a deceptive tool, and they also put critics back on their heels. Oh, this is just white magic, it's good. So even a guy who's supposedly this uh, old seer, this old wise man, uh, Gerald Gardner, who started Wicca, got his... OTO membership from Crowley. So he took some of the rituals from Crowley. So people go, oh yeah, Gerald Gardner's this cute little old man and he was just doing these little white magician things. No, he wasn't. Not at all. And some of the horn god stuff and all that, part of it comes out of Crowley. It goes back into old prehistory. But um, yeah, Gerald Gardner was not. So don't be deceived, man. When people say white magic, do not be deceived. I think they're trying to deceive people. Right, answer. Right, Anton LaVey said the same thing in the Satanic Bible that he wrote. He said the same thing, that white magic, black magic, it's the same thing. And he's laughing at it as he's writing it, saying that these people think that there is a difference. And there is no difference. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, he said that himself in the Satanic Bible that he wrote. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Now, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, occult practitioners, even in the military, that we right, see, not okay. just in, a, in in Hollywood. We see people like Jack Parsons of, of JPL. I always call JPL Jack Parsons Laboratory, even though it's called Jet Proportion Laboratory. Well, that's actually a known nickname of it. They used to make a joke that it was Jack Parsons because he was one of the original founders. Right, and so he was part of this, right? Absolutely. Crowley considered Jack Parsons his number one disciple. And the Agape Lodge outside of Hollywood had all kinds of people, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, supposedly Robert Heinlein, who wrote uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, was uh, kind of a devotee. And uh, so Jack Parsons was very much involved. And there's a, a series now now about his life called Strange Angel. And um, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, it's supposed to retell his life. But also another person who was in the military was Michael Aquino, who was a psychological operations officer at a higher level. I think he's a colonel. And he wrote the temple, he was a member of the Temple of Set, and he wrote a very interesting psychological manual that somehow got leaked or published, and it's called uh, From PSYOP to Mind War. And it was really, the whole idea was just to constantly psychically drive people and never just think of it as one PSYOP and then do another PSYOP, but just make war against people's minds. And uh, uh, Yeah, pretty fascinating. So these Satanists... There are Satanists in the military, no question. 
Yeah. So what did Jack Parsons, who was he? If people don't know or has never heard that name, who, who was Jack Parsons? So Jack Parsons, his real name was Marvel. He lived in Pasadena. He, was, he lived in a huge mansion. And he, became, he said he actually saw the devil when he was eight years old. And he became interested in the occult. He became interested in esotericism. His brand of the occult was the OTO. And he began practicing rituals and became a member of the Agape OTO Lodge in Hollywood. And it was really, literally right off of Hollywood Boulevard was where they would hold ritualized meetings. And he lived in Pasadena, so he was networking and talking with science fiction writers. And uh, he was involved in, in early just testing and creating jet propulsion. So he created something called JATO, was jet-assisted takeoff, at the very early age of the aviation industry, credited it with kind of rocketry and things like that. He actually was in contact with Werner von Braun, he was out there in, um, uh, the, you know, what is it, JPL, right? So Werner von Braun was paper-clipped, brought to the U.S. And uh, so these guys were in contact, and he became really a, a, a practicing occultist. He made the oath, take the oath of the Antichrist, which is, he basically said, I'm the next, he identified with Satanism, the Antichrist, and all of these evil things, and was going to fight against Christendom. And that's actually, you can find that writing. And he also did something called the Babylon Working with L. Ron Hubbard out in the desert where they tried to invoke kind of like a magical being. And uh, yeah, so Jack Parsons was really probably, you know, he was supposed to be the heir of Crowley and then he died in a mysterious bomb uh, event that uh, he blew himself up. He was actually always making bombs for all of his life. But it finally supposedly caught up to him and... uh, so, yeah, so he was uh, definitely a Satanist. Right, and for those that don't know who L. Ron Hubbard is, he is the founder of Scientology, what Correct. we have now today, Scientology, yeah. Correct. So, Which I, is know, also black that... magic, Leonard. I mean, all these information that he took in his early lectures comes from Crowley. There's a significant amount that comes from Crowley. He references them in his lectures. There's audio of him referencing Crowley, uh, included in my book, Children of the Beast, the, the verbatim words that he used and his son wrote a autobiography he was basically kicked out of dianetics he said all that scientology is is black magic drawn out over a long period of time right right and there's the you know there's that that big scientology place over here and um i believe it's like hollywood over here yeah. oh no they own yeah. tons of buildings down hollywood boulevard so they actually bookend hollywood boulevard there's some on uh, i don't know if you know the area but la brea in Hollywood, all the way down through Vine, going east to west, and then on Sunset, they have a huge uh, Scientology building, Sunset and, like, Vermont. I don't know if you know that area. Right, right. I know I've been down over there where they have that one looks like a cross with the sun in the middle. Right, this occult cross, I think, that comes right. out of Rosicrucianism, yeah. Right, right. And it, it's very, dece- it's very deceptive. You know, you see that, you think of, okay, well, there's a cross, so it must mean Jesus, you know? Right, well, and even a church, right? So they usurp the term church, which is truly a Christian church, uh, Christian term. And so they were allowed to usurp that. They were allowed to get tax-free stuff. And how did they pull that off? I think it's important. If you look through, I've had the misfortune of actually reading through Hubbard's stuff, and he was an anti-Christian. He was anti-Christ. He nakedly said stuff about God and Jesus. Well, I forgot the words verbatim, but he was definitely right in line with all the other Satanists where, you know, they just did not identify 
with Christ at all. And that's very important for people to understand that. If you want to talk about mind control, social engineering, Scientology, it's extremely sinister. Right, and he was pretty much insane, man. Out of his mind. I mean, he probably wasn't well from the very beginning of his life. And when he died, the rumor was he was giggling to himself and walking from room to room. And he was like Howard Hughes. His uh, fingernails were like all the way down, you know, a foot or two. Like, no, his fingernails weren't even cut. And they kept him in kind of, he was basically should have been in a mental institution. And he would, he would do he would do speed. He was like one of the most published people at one time. And he would do all these drugs and then go on these writing binges. Really crazy, really crazy stuff. He's really a science fiction writer. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, everything that he wrote is science fiction. Well, good point. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what it is. Right, it's all point. it's all fiction. I mean, science fiction. That's what it all is, man. So it's it's crazy, though, man. And then you, you're talking about Michael Aquino and all the stuff that he was involved with. Obviously, the Presidio over there in right, San Francisco, right. correct? Right. So there was all right. there was oh, pedophilia that's, allegations that's and things like that. Yeah. Right. And who owns that now? Isn't there somebody from Hollywood who owns that that uh, that area of that uh, some what studio owns that? Now? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the one owned by the guy who did Star Wars. What was his right. name? Right, I can't uh, think of the name. It'll come to me. But yeah, so it was uh, not DreamWorks. It was another studio that had a significant. I mean, it's a beautiful area. It used to be a, a, a military base, and uh, yeah, so. Some people were and allowed so, to purchase. There goes a Hollywood tie right there, where somebody, you know, an uh, uh, actual uh, studio bought that property where all this this stuff happened to these right. children. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad. And if you look at the Epstein stuff, there's some elements of occultism there. You know, you had some kind of weird island with this blue and gold structure with a dome on top and all these owls, so it looks like some kind of old Egyptian religion. So you don't know what the, these guys were really practicing, what they really believed. Not right. yet, at least. You see J Jeffrey Epstein, how he just committed suicide. I think it's interesting. I, and I hear a lot of people always saying, well, it must have been the Clintons that did it. But, you know, he had a lot of – he did a lot of blackmail on a lot of people, man, yeah, not just yeah. them. You know, I, I mean, you even you even have the, our, our president, sitting president, who was friends with him. Right. So it's just – it's it's crazy, you know. I mean, people like that, I mean, We're, they're right. not Good. You know? No, I think that people say it's one person. What if he blackmailed a thousand people? He was he was talking about people with billions of dollars, right. and there was actually yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that I've learned. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about stuff offline, but yeah, he angered a lot of people, and at a certain point, things can get done. I mean, just just being associated with the Queen of England enough is dangerous enough. That right. family protects itself. They, I mean, do you know the Queen of England has like the levels of her servitors are like all these landed barons who make loyalty oaths, and they're almost like Jesuitical. They have like an order of the garter that will dedicate their entire life to the maintenance of the queen, and they wear a, a, like a, a metal band that digs into their skin around their thigh as a remembrance and a, as a as a token of total fealty to the queen I mean, right, that's, just, that's just making the queen a god almost almost i mean she nobody knows how much she's really worth so anyway they don't know you know that i think all of the land i have to double check this but i'm pretty sure all of the people who owned land think they own land in the uk actually are leaseholds because she really owns the land so they're really leasing it from her 
Like yeah, when is she going to die? She's like, she seems like she's been alive forever. They're going to live forever, man. These people have the best health care in the world. Right. You know, she's I mean, in her 90s, he and her right. and her husband. She don't look like she's going anywhere anytime no, soon. No way. But yeah, Epstein, <laughs> Epstein angered a lot of people, so right. uh, you're right. absolutely right. Right, you can't you can't uh, do that type of work and then threaten everybody, you mm-hmm. know, and and threaten like powerful people and thinking just because you have tapes in every room and all that. I mean, th- I I feel you know I I was talking to Johnny Cerucci. I, I feel that they waited, you know, that he he eventually he got in trouble before and he was able to. He only went to jail for eight hours a day, you know, at for thirteen months or something like that, and he only went to jail eight out eight hours a day. But I think they waited to get all their material that they needed. And they finally locked him down, and they said enough's enough. You know, this guy is—he's just talking too much. Right. Well, that he might have started saying, "Well, let's negotiate for my sentence." He might have been negotiating. I got stuff to negotiate. Right. And once right. people found out about that, like you—you're not, you know, in the mob. If you talk, you're in deep trouble. And so, if right. he thinks he's going to talk, and kind of people aren't going to find out about that or whatever, you're dealing with extreme, like the top tier power. Epstein was associated with a million people with a lot of money. And I mean, we can talk about stuff offline, but yeah, he, I'm, you know. I, you're dealing with psychopaths, man. That, that You're dealing with psychopaths that say it's easier to kill a million people than to get them in line. So. Well, that's a good point. Do you know that they had, so they always had this blackmail in a safe in one of his properties, and they went back to the property. This is a rumor, but they went back, he and Ghislaine Maxwell went back to that property. And they had it like down in the safe and all of the surrounding materials that kept the safe in place were gone. So all of this material that they had thought they had as blackmail uh, was just disappeared. They don't even know who took it. So somebody else has part of his blackmail material. And the cops opened up his safe in Manhattan, which had other material, right? So it was just an ugly situation, you know, and people were definitely monitoring. I mean, very powerful people are monitoring, monitoring like that. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say that. So let, let's get into a little bit of that. How does blackmail play into the occult Hollywood aspect of things? Well, I mean, I think that blackmail is really much more common than people might think. So I think that when you, you know, there's so many stories about people becoming famous in Hollywood and having to, sell their soul or be involved in rituals or things like that. And I think a lot of that stuff is filmed, so people have dirt on them. I know that Scientology keeps dirt on a lot of its uh, adherents, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a significant amount of blackmail and filming. Uh, Do you ever hear the story about Hugh Hefner? He's filming, he was filming a lot of the stuff that happened in the Playboy Mansion, and he has an underground lair with all these tapes on all these people, so he had them uh, blackmail, I don't know if he ever used it, but he had all this stuff on very famous people who were engaged in activities at his place. And somebody who saw it said, if it was ever published, it would be worth a billion dollars. Like that's right. the amount of value because it right. was like Marilyn Monroe and all these other people. Right, right. I think, it, I think they allow the blackmail of, of those people that are in Hollywood. But yeah. when it comes to like real powerful people, because those people in Hollywood, they, they don't have power. They're, yeah. they're basically puppets. You know, they have to, right. they do what they're told and they do, you know, they take their marching orders from somebody higher than them. So it's okay to blackmail people like that. And somebody like Hugh Hefner blackmailing all these stars, it's, you know, they use that, right. you know, right. to say, well, we're going to out you, you know, and we have you with little kids or whatever it may be. Right. You know, this is this is what we have on you. But, yeah, I see that. You know, but I see what that if it thing. was the opposite? What if somebody tried to uh, blackmail somebody powerful like Hugh Hefner? 
somebody with income with millions of dollars, with connections, with people, you know. Look at actually what happened. You know that uh, Jeff Bezos tried to get blackmailed. They had all these pictures of him with his new romantic woman. Like, they had, yeah, they had really incriminating stuff. They tried to blackmail him, and that, that never came out. So something happened. The wheels went in motion. That story went away. He had the best lawyer, same lawyers involved with Epstein. It was boys, uh, whatever, and then Marty Singer, who's like a well-known lawyer out here in Los Angeles. And that stuff went away. Bezos, remember that story? Right, right. Yeah. Right, he so, was with that woman from Kate, was that, that news right. anchor, right? Yeah, KTLA, I forgot her name. I used to see her all the time on there. Yeah, and, do you know that she actually has a bit part in, uh, in Fight Club? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you see my documentaries, you'll see her doing like her newscasting thing right before Smiley Face is shown. It's pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah. So you know, everybody, this this Hollywood, you know, is is filled with the occult, yeah. and you know, you know, I suggest people go and see your your movie, your documentary, and read your books. You know, it, it's it's you know, a lot of it when you read it, a lot of it's like, wow, you know, is it really this much? You know, and sometimes it's so much where it feels like, you know, this can't be true. This can't be. But, you know, I mean, think of this, everybody. Think of all the the, uh, the nations that that were ever, you know, that were that ruled the world at one time. And they all took my marching orders from from the occult. They all had these occult systems. Yes. All of them. Yeah. And the that, Greeks, that, but, Romans, Carthaginians. Right. Right, and that's never changed. That hasn't changed. I, just because people wear suits now and drive cars and wear a tie doesn't mean that it's changed. You know, it's excellent still the point. same. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah. Right. So darkness is darkness, no matter how you you dress it up. It's, it's still like darkness. mystery Babylon. It's still that it's moved along. Go see some of the occult buildings in D.C. Man, go look at the House of the Temple, the Sphinxes, and all the Egyptian stuff. It's all there. Right. I mean, just even, you know, our, our American money, you know, there's right. occult symbols on our money, on the one, especially the one, because the one means a lot, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's hard to believe that there's that much. Like, I was a person who was not interested in it, but when you open your eyes, eyes wide open to all that, it's it's pervasive. It's shockingly pervasive, actually. Right. And what it is, it's a spirit. So it's yeah. a spirit that begins to work in, in mankind. It's a dark spirit. And yeah. so that spirit begins to work in each and every one of the sons of disobedience. So those that are, are not, you know, that don't have the Holy Spirit, they're easily influenced by this type of imagery, this type of magic that is being placed upon this world as we know it. You know, and, and obviously this has some type of power because they put it on everything. Yeah everything i mean you just think about it if it has no power if you think it has no purpose then why is it on everything right right why is it on the back of the currency that we all need to survive right right and 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 trust me when they say in god we trust it is not the god of the bible you know well you can read that doubly right it's that's truly an occult thing where there's an esoteric and an exoteric meaning. So right. It says one. It says one to, to the to the regular people, but it, but you know those that are you know uh, that know are in the know know right. that what it really means. You know. Well said. Absolutely. So you know, and I I've always thought that when I was little, you know, when I was a little kid, and I read in God We Trust, I've always took it as well. They stamped it on their God, you know, which right. is money, right. and and their trust is in money, and you know, I, there's nothing. If if you're a Christian, you believe we're in a Christian nation, at, you know, and right. some part we used to be, right. you know. Uh, but if you look at 
you know, the currency or look, or you look at the people that were in higher ups, they weren't. Now, the normal people may have been, you know, the lesser people, the lower people. Yes, they were. the, But they are the ones. See, those are the people that they're trying to control. Right. Right. Because they know they can't outright just come out and say, OK, this is what it is. And now everybody, you know, get in line because people are not. You know, there has to be a slow process. And you look at this slow process from the time that this country was made, you know, until we're at today. And there's but there's always been a resistance. But the resistance is beginning to weaken very much, weaken very much. The more we're getting closer to the time of moving forward, the less the resistance. And and we, you know, us people like us doing podcasts, people like Williams out here, he's he's writing books, you know, making documentaries. This is the resistance. You know, this is what it is. Before in the past, it was a bigger voice. There was a larger voice to say no. But that power has always been there. It's just been silent. Right. Now, it's an occult it, power, right? It's a right, secret right. blackmail. Yeah. Yeah. So occult means hidden. So right. it's 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 hidden. But now they're getting bold to, to the point where they feel like they can start revealing things and to, to the culture. And there is no reaction from the culture when they reveal these things. You know, there is no there is nobody going and trying to burn down the White House or, you know, like the images that we would see in the past. People coming with pitchforks and and, you know, and right. they're farming Torches equipment and... ready to burn the thing down. It's not happening no more. Right. No, it's not. We don't see that. It's because it's, it's the frog in the kettle. People are getting uh you know this you're being indoctrinated since you were little i always tell people you have been indoctrinated indoctrinated even when you were in your mother's womb when you were being created in your mother's womb you've been indoctrinated by what your mother was seeing by the the conversation your mother was having by the the music your mother was listening to by the movies she was watching by the relationships that she kept with people whether it be good or bad all that was feeding into the child feeding into you as a baby so you've been uh, you know, I tell people you've been indoctrinated since even before you were born. You it's know, a scary thought. It's, it's a scary, scary thought, man. And this is, you know, and, and the and the thing to do though is to is is to do the right thing. You can't be afraid to stand up for what's right. I always tell my kids that don't be afraid to stand up for what's right, even if it causes you to lose your life. You have to, even if it causes you to lose your life. You always stand up for righteousness. You always stand up for the little guy. You always stand up for those that are getting bullied against. You always stand up and you say no. Because why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. God will protect you. If it's your time to go, then God will say, so be it. Let's go. Time to come home. But you have to be ready. You have. You can't just, you, you, you have to have yourself guarded. You have to stay ready. I always tell people, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You don't have to worry about it. If you, if Stay in season, even when when you're not in season. Always be ready, you know. Always have a word. Always be ready to get to to show love, you know. And 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 showing love doesn't mean that you're soft. Doesn't mean that you're gonna be walked over. No, 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 no. Stand up for righteousness. Start with your kids. A lot of people may say, well, "What can I do? How can I affect change in this world?" Start at home first. Yeah. Start with the people around you, whether it be your co-workers. Just let them see your life with Christ. Let them see that. Let that just come out of you. You know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Just let them see that. You don't have to say, hey, you're going to hell. Hey, this. You don't have to do all that. 
Right. Just be friendly and then they know who you are. And that right there is a testimony. Start right there. Well said. Yeah. Very true. So, William, what could we do? What could what, what is your advice as far as, as, as all the research that's had, had? How has this research affected you? How has this affected you? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's dark. like my eyes are wide open. Like, I think that at a certain point in my life, I really understood nothing about the world. You know, I really was very naive. I believe what I wrote was wrote in my high school textbooks. So I think that really understanding, I think really, I think for me, it really started with reading the Bible and praying because I realized that there's a completely opposite reality uh, than the one that I was presented with. So that made me look at things from a completely different perspective. So I think that realizing that all these even events have occulted uh, interests or uh, influences and these films that have occult influences, knowing that would uh, help you avoid, you know, supporting these types of uh, artistic works and really trying to keep you on the straight and narrow path. And I think that that's really the benefit of having that knowledge. You know, I probably wouldn't have written these books if... Uh, that you know that more people were saying that this is happening, but I felt like this was something that needed to be said. So I think that that's why I made the books and the documentaries. Is like, here, this is it. This is happening. You know, what do you guys want to? What do you want to do about it? Right, right. I always, you know, I always say that. You know, once you know, once you have the information, it is your responsibility to have action to act right. upon the information that you have. You know, it's it's. It, you know, this information serves no purpose if you're just using it as an entertainment value. If, you, if you're just using it as this is something I just want to listen to and, you know, wow, it was it's pretty provocative. And, and that's as far as it goes, you know. Right. No, right. don't let it just stop right there. You know, it, it, it has to move you to action. You know, like I said, you can be that change. You be the change with your with with who you know at home, who's around you, who's in earshot of you. Be that change. You don't have to go and 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 do big things to in order to change. You change that one person. That one person might change a thousand people. Well said. You know, Very true. Yeah. You know, you, 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 it, that's what you you focus on. You focus on a. If God sent you over here to speak to one person, you don't know who that one person's going to affect. You know, you just got to be obedient. You know, learn this information. Do something with it. And, and, and the thing to do is protect yourself. And if you have small ones, please, uh, you know, this is, uh, please, 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 please protect your children. Protect them. They're going to grow up one day and they're going to do what they do. I always tell my kids, you know what, you can have the best parent in the world, like Adam and Eve, the best parent, you can still fall away. They had God as their parent and they still fell away. What did God do wrong? Nothing. Didn't do anything wrong. It's just by choice, but you still have to give your children the tools. Still do. Even if they're going to fall away, you just, you trust and you believe in your heart that God will bring them back. You know, we hopefully God will bring them before they die. Hopefully, you know, they, they get to the point where they fall on their face and they say, okay, God, that's it. I'm done. Right, I'm right. That's I'm not done. uncommon. That's right. if that happened to me, probably something like that. Right. right. But yeah. see, that shows God's faithfulness. Right. You know, even when you're not going, even when you're going through it, you don't feel like God is faithful. But then when you come out of it, you're like, thank you, Lord, because yeah, if it true. wasn't for that, I'd be destined for hell. You know, I'd be destined for a, a, a eternity away from you, from separation. 
you know and the thing is is that we need to we need to get people we need to just be we need to be the vessels that the holy spirit can use to speak to those people that are around us you know this this work that william is doing this is some heavy work you know a lot of the stuff that he has uh put out it was very eye-opening for me you know and in my and into to who i am today you know the work that he has done has has shaped you know of my my thought process has opened my eyes and opened my heart to things that i i didn't realize that were around me you know i always had an an eye and an ear for it but i didn't realize just how deep this rabbit hole went and if you want to really get deep into the rabbit hole read his books Watch his documentaries and just see how far this stuff really goes. And it goes a lot deeper, a lot deeper. And, you know, it, it's, it's a sickness, man. It's but, a sickness. But did you feel like it confirmed your biblical worldview? Oh, yeah, most definitely. It actually made it even stronger, made it even stronger. I always say this, that when you see, when you realize the dark, that there is darkness, then you realize that there is light. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Realize that there is a devil, then, there, man, there's got to be a God. You realize how much these people are doing so much to bash Christianity and to bash Jesus. Why? They, you don't see them doing that against uh, Muhammad. True. You don't see them do, uh, doing that against Buddha. You know what I'm saying? Like, they are dead set against Jesus. Yes. Jesus. Why? Why? You have to ask yourself, why? Why, why don't I hear things about Muhammad? Why don't I hear things about Buddha, Krishna? Why don't I hear things about all these other these other world uh, changers, so so to so to speak? Why is it always Jesus? Why? Ask yourself that. Even if you're a non-believer, you don't believe in God. Ask yourself. These people, they believe it. They believe that they're they believe they know who Jesus is, and they're dead set to war against him. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. They're, they're, that's what they want to do. They want. They know who Jesus is. You may not, but they do, and that's who they're warring against. So, Amen. yeah. So you got any? You got anything else you want to say, William? No, man. I think we covered all of it. I really appreciate you having me on the show. My movies are available on Vimeo. You can just type in William Ramsey, Occult Hollywood. I've done some true crime stuff. Uh, I've done some research into Epstein. You can look into. Some of my Epstein stuff, I, my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. But uh, thank you very much, Leonard. I appreciate being back on your show. I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. I, I think that your your information is valuable. Like I said, it was it was a big part to me waking up. You know your information, and it helped. It shaped the person who I am today. You know, and I, and God bless you for that. And I really, I just want to thank you. You know, from the bottom of my heart for for just putting in the man hours and the work. And I know it must have been hard. I know there's been massive attacks against you. And I thank you for being faithful, man. Because you, you, man. You, I appreciate that. Thank you. Your, faith, your faithfulness helped the edification of the body of Christ. Believe that. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. I'm Leonard Olivares, and this is Eyes Wide Open. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs>